again to everyone this morning. If you're a guest with us today, we're so glad to have you in service with us this morning. Thank you for being with us. Pray that the presence of God touches you today in Jesus' name. Amen. If you're watching us online somewhere this morning, pray that you are blessed by the presence of the Lord wherever you may be. And and uh, good to see you. Pastor friend of mine, Pastor Watts, snuck in here this morning. Uh, good to see him. And he, he's the one that, depending on the mood I'm in on any given day, he gets the credit or the blame for helping uh, my eldest daughters get married because he was very integral and husband's life. I'm thankful for that now. I, I had to work through it a little bit, but I'm, the fact that there's a grandbaby on the way really helps. So that, amen. Praise God. If you're not standing and you're able to, in honor of the Word of God, as we read a few verses, this is, uh, I think, week number three, not counting kind of the broader message prior to that, but week number three that ministering on this topic of the fear of the Lord. Ecclesiastes chapter 12, we'll use this as our launching point this morning, Ecclesiastes 12, and beginning with verse number 10, Solomon says this, the preacher sought to find out acceptable words, and that which was written was upright, even words of truth. The words of the wise are as goads. Anybody ever, when you were in the throes of making a decision and you were weighing if you were going to do what was right or what was wrong, there were just some words. Maybe it was what your parents said or the pastor said or what the Bible says was just kind of poking you. Anybody ever? Oh, Jesus. I feel a need to pray for a bunch of y'all. If you haven't ever had that, you something's wrong. <laughs> he says, The words of the wise are like goads, and as nails fastened by the masters of assemblies. That means they're 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 sure, they're reliable, which are given from one shepherd. And further by these, my son, be admonished of making many books, there is no end. And much study is a weariness of the flesh. It's amazing the rabbit trails you can end up going down by just reading and following this link and following that link. And but then he says this, here is the conclusion. Here's the conclusion. Let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Let us, let us hear what life is all about. Here it is. You don't need to go to some mountain somewhere and sit at the feet of some Dalai Lama. You, you, here it is. Fear God and keep His commandments, for this is the whole duty of man. For God, for God shall bring every work into judgment with every secret thing, whether it be good or whether it be evil. And again, I want to... I want to talk to you, preach to you this morning 
on the fear of the Lord. Father, thank you for your presence that is in this place today, your spirit that's already working and moving. God, I believe there's some things that man was not able to do in lives that you have done this morning, and I thank you for that. I thank you that you are the same yesterday, today, and forever. You never change. Your power never changes. Your ability never changes. Your faithfulness never changes. You're always the same. I thank you for that, Lord. And I pray that now through your word, you would speak to us today, that your spirit would minister through your word. Lord, don't let this be just a sermon this morning, but that let this be words of life that comes from your word. Let our hearts be good ground today for the seed of your word. I trust you and I depend upon you today, Lord, in Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. You may be seated for those of you Perhaps it may not have been here the last couple of weeks and you're not overly familiar with this phrase, the fear of the Lord. Let me just tell you quickly the basic definition of that that idea. It is not about being scared of the Lord. It's about a reverence, a respect, and awe of Him. As I said last Sunday morning, I believe that part of the reason it's not about being afraid or terrified of Him is because the Bible says that perfect love casts out fear. So if God is love and perfect love casts out fear, then I don't think the fear of the Lord is about being afraid of Him. But it's reverence, respect, again, awe. And so the the Bible tells us and and. And Solomon says, this is the conclusion of the matter. This is what life is all about. Fear God and keep His commandments. So in the last several Sunday mornings, I've been going through just kind of the the sequence in which this term, fear of the Lord, shows up in Scripture and, 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 and sharing with you the things that the Bible says about what the fear of the Lord is. And so I'm just going to remind you quickly as, as uh, we will get to the point where we will pick up uh, where we left off last week. Job 28 and 28 says that it's, it's wisdom and to depart from evil is understanding. In Psalms 19 and verse number 9 it says that the fear of the Lord is clean. In Psalms 111 in verse number 10, the psalmist says that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. If, if you don't start with the fear of the Lord, you're, you're not wise. You might, be, you might be intellectual, but you don't have wisdom. Wisdom must start with the fear of the Lord. Proverbs 1 verse 7, Solomon says that fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge and I'm not going to get into it this morning. I got into it last week, but there's a difference. There is a, an important difference between the fear of the Lord being the beginning of wisdom and it being the beginning of knowledge. And then where we stopped last week, Proverbs 8 and verse 13, Solomon says the fear of the Lord is to hate evil. So if you have a fear of the Lord as a part of that, you're going to hate evil. We're in a world that talks about tolerating, and and there's some things that we tolerate we shouldn't tolerate. And again, we're taught, the Bible teaches us to love the sinner. Love those we may not agree with, but it tells us to hate the sin. 
So there, the fear of the Lord has a part of it. There is an element of it that means you, you hate evil. You're not trying to live and figure out how much, how much ungodliness, how much of this world can you, can you get away with and still be okay. I, I heard, and this is definitely secondhand, so it may be a little bit of modification in what was said, but I heard that there was a relatively well-known pastor that for their going into their Easter service this year, he told his, his team, he said, I want us to get to as close to sin without sinning. He wanted, he wanted them in their service, the things they did and, and, the, and the production they put on. He wanted to get as close to sin without sinning. That's scary enough when, when, when an individual lives that way. But when somebody that is supposed to be a man of God, that that's their attitude. I, I don't know about you, I, I may be wrong, but if I was in that church, I'd be hitting the door as fast as I could. Because the fear of the Lord is not to see how close I can get to evil without getting hurt. The, the fear of the Lord is to hate evil. And so picking up from, from there, the next place we find this, this term is in Proverbs chapter 10 and verse number 27. And it says this, The fear of the Lord prolongeth days, but the years of the wicked shall be shortened. The Living Bible says reverence for God adds hours to each day. So how can the wicked expect a long, good life? There's only one thing I know of in Scripture that promises long life, and that is if you honor your father and your mother. Which if you honor your father and your mother, you probably also are trying to live in the fear of the Lord because that matters to you. But the fear of the Lord prolongeth days. It blows my mind how many things that the world does for pleasure and excitement. That, that it doesn't take a, a doctor, it doesn't take a, a, a brainiac to know and to see the negative effects of those things on the human body. Drugs, alcohol, etc. Things that people are addicted to. Things that people do for pleasure. That they, they don't lengthen your life. They shorten it. But the Bible says the fear of the Lord prolongeth days. Ecclesiastes 8 and verse 12 says this. Though a sinner do evil a hundred times and his days be prolonged. Yet surely I know that it shall be well with them that fear God, which fear before Him. But it shall not be well with the wicked, neither shall he prolong his days, which are as a shadow, because he feareth not before God. The biblical illustrator says this about this idea that the fear of the Lord prolongeth days. There is no doubt about it. The fear of the Lord leads to virtuous habits and these prevent that and these prevent that waste of life which comes of sin and vice. The holy rest which springs out of faith in the Lord Jesus also greatly helps a man when he is ill. Every physician rejoices to have a patient whose mind is fully at ease. I got it. Procedure done on my elbow a week ago, and the doctors went through. You, you 
drink, no, smoke, no, you want any medication, no, any dis- no, wow, you're an easy one. You know where that comes from? It comes from the fear of the Lord. Hang on, I'll get here in just a moment. I'm not saying if you fear the Lord, that means life is perfect and there's no problems and, and, and there's no pain and all. I'm not saying that. Because Jesus himself said, in this world you shall have. Not might, not maybe. You're going to have tribulation. You're, you're going to go through some difficult times. You're going you're to go through some ups and downs. But then he said this, be of good cheer. Because I've overcome the world, and the one that overcome the wor- overcame the world is the one that's now living on the inside of me. So whatever it is I go through, thanks be unto God which giveth us the victory, because we are more than conquerors. Every physician rejoices to have a patient whose mind is fully at ease. Worry kills. You can have... Physical effects from worry. But confidence in God is like healing medicine. We have therefore all the arrangements for long life. And if it be really for our good, we shall see a good old age and come to our graves as shocks of corn in their season. Whatever that means. Let us not be overcome with sudden expectation of death The moment we have a finger ache. Man, that's so true. And especially nowadays. I promise you, if you search long enough, you can find out if you have a hangnail, you're in the process of dying. I can pretty much guarantee you a hangnail is a symptom of some kind of terminal illness. I've tried my best to stop going to Google when I don't feel well. I've told this before, but several years ago, I was I was having some some issues, and I got on Google and I started reading it. And I'm like, I got like six months, and I kept I didn't want to tell my wife. We had the kids were all really young at that. I didn't want to tell her and upset her and. So finally, a couple days had gone by and something, and I kind of snapped at her, and she was kind of like, I'm like, okay, listen, I just got to tell you. I didn't want to tell you this. I'm dying. (laughs) It was like 25 years ago, 30 years ago. (laughs) Let us not be overcome with sudden expectation of death the moment we have a finger ache. But let us rather expect that we may have to work on through a considerable length of days. And what if we should soon be called to the higher sphere? Certainly there would be nothing to deplore in such a summons, but everything to rejoice in. Living or dying, we are the Lord's. If we live, Jesus will be with us. If we die, we will be with Jesus. The truest lengthening of life is to live while we live, wasting no time, but using every hour for the highest ends. Paul said, the King James says it this way, for me to live is Christ. But to die is gain. The, the living Bible says it this way. For, me, for to me, living means opportunities for Christ. And dying, well, that's better yet. 
Message Bible says it this way, Alive, I'm Christ's messenger. Dead, I'm His bounty. Life versus even more life. I can't lose. It's sad when people that profess to be believers in God and claim to be saved have the same attitude about death as those that don't have Jesus. I don't don't mean that, that doesn't mean you and I are necessarily volunteering to die. That's what Paul said. Paul said, if I I live, great. If I die, then then that's just gain. But I'm okay with being here a little bit longer. But, But we should not view death as the end. Death is this just the transition to the ultimate beginning. So the fear of lo- the fear of the Lord prolongeth days, but but even if you end up not getting to live as long as everybody else, then you just that means you just get to gain sooner than the rest of us. Somehow believers shouldn't look at death as punishment, but they ought to look at death as being the greatest blessing because that means you now get to enter into your eternal reward. There's no more pain. There's no more sorrow. There's no, there's, there's no more issues that we're used to dealing with down here. And again, some of the verses I just read, I won't go back to find it, but some of the verses I just read state, Yes, even the wicked still live to be old. Doesn't mean everybody's going to die young. But you need to, you need to, I think I just said this within the last week or two, but I, I say it every now and then. I think every, every believer should be familiar with Psalm 73. Because Psalm 73 is something that you will go through, I think, many times. The psalmist said, I, my steps had almost slipped. I, I almost gave up because I got to looking at the prosperity of the wicked. And, and, and I'm paraphrasing, especially the way the King James says it. But he said, he said I, I got to looking at the wicked. And man, it seems like life was good for them. And everything was going good for them. And they didn't, they didn't care about God. And yet their lives were great. And, and here I am trying to, trying to have faith in God. Trying to obey the Word of God. And, and, and I got all these problems and issues. He said, all of that, I, I almost slipped until I got into the sanctuary. And until I got into the presence of God. And, and he said, I, I understood their end. Pardon me for all of you non-sports fans, but some of us are savoring a moment. And I don't know if it will be more than a moment or not, but we are savoring a moment that the Baltimore Orioles are now not in the bottom of the American League East, but they are in first place. I I hope it lasts, even if it doesn't last. We ain't been there in a long time, so let us enjoy it. But the bottom line is this. In a couple of months from now, if the Orioles don't end up holding up the World Series trophy, who cares that on July the 20, what's the day? 
Who cares that on July the 23rd, the Orioles were in first place? So it doesn't matter if the wicked seem to be ahead of you right now. What matters is the end. And if at the end you hear these words, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. I promise you that all of this stuff down here in one single moment is not going to mean anything to you anymore. The fear of the Lord prolongeth life. Well, I like this next one, Proverbs 14 and 26. He says, in the fear of the Lord is strong confidence, and the children shall have a place of refuge. Oh, Sister Rebecca, I think you just lived this verse this week. The Amplified Bible says it this way, In the reverent and worshipful fear of the Lord, there is strong confidence, and His children shall have always shall always have a place of refuge. The Living Bible says, "Reverence for God gives a man deep strength. His children have a place of refuge and security." The Message Bible, the fear of God builds up confidence and makes a world safe for your children. And then the contemporary Jewish Bible says it this way, In the fear of Adonai is powerful security. For, the chi- for, the, for his children there will be a place of refuge. Oh boy, if this is not one that this world is in need of. Because I don't think what the wise man is talking about here is that the, that the world would be made safe. But in the midst of the chaos and the confusion and all of the craziness that's going on in the world, you would be able to find a place of refuge in all of that. The Bible says in Psalms 34 in verse number 7, The angel of the Lord encampeth round about them that fear him and delivereth them. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man that trusteth in him. Oh, fear the Lord, ye his saints, for there is no want to them that fear him. The young lions do lack and suffer hunger, but they that seek the Lord shall not want any good thing. Come ye children, hearken unto me. I will teach you the fear of the Lord. The angel, I, I, I will tell you without reluctance or hesitation, I believe that there are angels. I married one 31 years ago, but I believe there's angels you can't see. I believe there's demons. I believe in the spiritual, I, because the spiritual came before the natural. Before all of this came into being, God was a spirit. He already existed. And I believe the angels of the Lord encamp round about them. I, I've never seen an angel. I know people that have had stories that it was undeniable. If you have any element of faith in God and the Word of God, it was undeniable they encountered an angel. Read your Bible and find out stories. One of them that comes to mind is the story of Peter when he was locked up in prison and the angel of the Lord came in and woke him out of his sleep and led him out of the prison. I believe that actually literally happened. This may... 
spook some of you out, or you may think I'm weird for this. Oh, well, I've never seen an angel, but I do believe that I know how to recognize, to sense the presence of one. And I don't feel angels all the time, but I do believe according to the word of the Lord. I believe when I get in my car to leave here today, I got an angel that's going to be in the car with me. I believe when I lay down in my bed at night, I've got an angel of the Lord that is encamping round about me because I fear the Lord. Proverbs 18 and verse 10, simple verse, if you don't know it, homework for today is memorize it. The name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous run into it and they are safe. Anybody know what that name is? If you don't know what that name is, it's right up on the wall. The name of the Lord is a strong tower. Another one of those stories I've told or analogies I've used so many times I can't count, but I remember as a, as a child and as a teenager riding down the road in the, in the car with my parents sitting in the back seat, my dad driving, my mom in the passenger seat. And, and, and some kind of a close call, somebody pull out in front, or my dad having to slam on his brakes, and from the, from the back seat I could just hear my mother, Jesus, 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 Jesus. I've been in places where people got hurt or something and they said, Jesus. But it wasn't the same thing. You know what my mother was doing in that moment? She was exercising Proverbs 18 and 10. The name of the Lord is a strong tower. You know what? There's sometimes that when you pray, you need to open up and express and tell God what's going on, what you're feeling. But then there's some times you don't have time or you don't even really know exactly what you need. And so all you simply do is say, Jesus, in the name of Jesus. The Bible says whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord. I'm thankful today that I don't just know that name intellectually, but I know that name experientially. I know that I can call on that name and wherever I am, whatever I'm doing, in just one single moment, I can enter into a strong tower. Malachi 6, or excuse me, Malachi 4 and verse number 1 says this, For behold, the day cometh and that, that shall burn as an oven, and all the proud, yea, all that do wickedly shall be stubble, and the day that cometh shall burn them up, saith the Lord of hosts, that it shall leave them neither root nor branch. But unto you that fear my name shall the son of righteousness arise with healing in his wings and you shall go forth and grow up as calves of the stall when you live with the fear of the Lord the reverence and respect of the fear of the Lord you can have confidence that no matter what's going on in the world around you no matter what's going on in your world personally God's got it all under control I just got to say it again. I'm not saying that means there's no problems, there's no issues, there's no pain, there's no suffering. It doesn't mean that. 
But when you have the fear of the Lord, you can have the confidence of what Paul said in Romans 8.28. And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are called according to His purpose. I got a question. Is there anybody here that can testify today of some things you went through in your past that while you were going through them, they seemed bad, evil. You didn't understand how it could do anything good for you. But now that God has brought you through it and you can look back at it, you can say, it all worked together for my good. If you're going through something right now you don't understand, just look around at a few of the hands that are raised because God is no respecter of persons. If He did it for them, He'll do it for you. If He brought them through difficult situations and worked it out for the good he can bring you through your situation as well hallelujah 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 man who knew the fear of the Lord could be so exciting strong confidence Okay, the next thing we find in Scripture is in Proverbs 14 and verse 27. He says, The fear of the Lord is a fountain of life to depart from the, from the snares of death. I, I, I don't presume to know more than the, the Bible or the translators, but I'm just going to say it this way. The fear of the Lord is not just a fountain of life, but the fear of the Lord is the fountain of life. And I think I can say that because Jesus said He was the way, the truth, and the life. Outside of Him there is no life. Can I tell you today, if you've never been born again, I know you have a birth certificate, but you haven't really started living. The birth certificate they gave you at the hospital, that's not really when you start living. You start really living when you are born again of the Spirit of God and you enter into the kingdom of God and you become a new creature in Christ Jesus. Old things passed away, all things becoming new. The Message Bible says it this way, the fear of God is a spring of living water so you won't go off drinking from poisoned wells. Well, there's a lot of poisoned wells in our world. When you... I probably won't get the melody of it right, but a spoonful of sugar helps the medicine go down. The medicine go down. Most medicine you take has a coating on it for flavor that has absolutely no health value to you. It's just to try to make it tolerable. I'm not saying that idea originated from the devil, but I will say it this way. He used that a long time before. Somebody had an idea. Let's make it taste like cherry or grape. Or... Because ultimately it's not about the flavor of the outside. It's what's on the inside. 
The problem is this, God works the opposite way. In the Old Testament, talking about the, the, the bread that the priest would eat, it, it was bitter to the taste, but it was sweet to the belly. The problem is this, the enemy will offer you a lot of things that are sweet to the taste, but they are bitter to your belly. The living, or excuse me, the complete Jewish Bible says it this way, the fear of Adonai is a fountain of life enabling one to avoid deadly traps. Then the Passion Translation says it like this, To worship God in wonder and awe opens a fountain of life within you, empowering you to escape death's domain. It's so amazing to me. If 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 you're watching something on TV, watching a... A game or a show or whatever, and then the the, the advertising comes on, and and they'll advertise medicine for various things. If it's a sixty second commercial, they'll spend about ten seconds telling you how good the medicine is and what it can do for you. And then the other fifty seconds, you're like, now tell me why I want that medicine. It could cause this. It could do that. If you have this, don't take this. Kind of amazing. And I appreciate medical science and all they do and all they've learned. But it blows my mind. And there's some of you that have had to live this. You, you, you get one, they give you one medication to deal with one issue. But then they have to give you another medication to deal with the side effect from that issue. But let me tell you something. When it comes to the fountain of life. Oh, I got it. I will tell you, there are a whole lot of side effects. I'm telling you what, there's side effects that you haven't even considered. But I'll tell you this, every new side effect you you learn about from the fountain of life, you're like, wow, boy, that's a good one. Man, how did I do without that one? And man, boy, there's another good one. I'm glad to know thou that now that I, I have that. Isn't it amazing what all is in just the fear of the Lord? No wonder the enemy wants us to dread or have a negative attitude about the fear of the Lord. The reverence, the respect, the awe for God. Proverbs 15 and verse 16. Boy, here's a good one. Better is little with the fear of the Lord than great treasure and trouble therewith. (laughs) Message Bible. A simple life in the fear of God is better than a rich life with a ton of headaches. You ever read some of the stuff on all these celebrities and rich people and they can't stay married? They're battling addictions. They're miserable. The scripture says you're, you're better off with a simple life in the fear of God than a rich life with a ton of headaches. The Passion Translation says it like this. It's, it's much better to live simply, surrounded in holy awe and worship of God than to have great wealth with a home Full 
of trouble. The old saying is a house is not a home. And there's some homes in our area that you would drive by and from the outside, from a natural perspective, you would think, man, I'd love to live in that house. I wish that was my house. Because surely the people living in that house, life is good. But if you were able to be a fly on the wall, you'd, you'd see a marriage that is on the, on the brinks of breaking up. You'd see parents and kids that don't get along with each other. You'd see heartache and pain because it's not about the structure. You can drive by some houses that from a natural perspective there would be no enticement to you to want to live in that house. But if you were able to be a fly on the wall in that house you'd find a husband and a wife with an amazing relationship and you'd find parents and kids that have a strong, healthy relationship. Proverbs 37 and 16 in the Amplified Bible says this, Better is the little that the uncompromisingly righteous have than the abundance of possessions of many who are wrong and wicked. Proverbs 16 and 8 says, Better is a little with righteousness, uprightness in every area and relation and right standing with God than great revenues with injustice. Paul says this in 1 Timothy 6 and verse 6. I'll read it from the Amplified. He says, And it is indeed a source of immense profit for godliness accompanied with contentment, that contentment which is a sense of inward sufficiency is great and abundant gain. For we brought nothing into the world and obviously we cannot take anything out of the world. Godliness with contentment is great gain. Living in a world where we are constantly sold a bill of goods that if you just get the newer model, the newer version, the more expensive one, you'll, you'll be happy. You're not going to find contentment. You're not going to find true peace and joy from something external. The only way to get genuine joy and peace that lasts, it's got to come from inside. Not inside of you as a human being, but from inside of you when the Spirit of God is living on the inside of you. Because when the Spirit of God is living on the inside of you, the Bible says that, that, that in the Spirit of God there is righteousness, peace, and joy. So if I've got the Spirit of God inside of me, my source of joy, Joy is not what's going on around me, but it comes from within me. Let me tell you something. Many of you have had the opportunity to travel overseas. Some of you here, maybe you never have. I would venture to say, I think I could safely say, that there are millions, probably billions, of people in the world right now that would give anything to have the standard of living that you have. Read this this morning. There are there are nine countries, nine countries that have 
that the, av- that the per capita average income, annual income, is less than $1,600. Annual. There are three countries that the average annual income is less than $700. Annual. Not monthly. Annual. The only reason you think you don't have it good is because you're watching too much TV. You've been on HGTV too much. You've been on Magnolia Network too much. You've been on social media too much. Get off of it. And what you'll find out is you are very blessed. Oh, maybe not compared to everybody else, but if you'll look at the right places, you'll find that in comparison to some, you are very blessed. And, and, and ultimately, it's not about how much you have or don't have. If you got the fear of the Lord, you can be content. Try it with everything. What's really sad is when married couples buy into the lie that that's the answer is trade in your spouse for a new one. Get a new one. I'll, I'll be happy. Really, and I don't mean to be unkind, and if there's anybody here that you've done this, I'm not trying to be unkind, but, but when somebody has been married multiple times, I mean four or five at least, they, they need to start looking in the mirror. Because there's one commonality in all those relationships. Well, I thought the fear of the Lord was exciting a few moments ago. Better is little. Better is little. Somebody needs that. I, I think there's somebody here this morning. That This is the one, just about any of them, you need to get. Better is little with the fear of the Lord. Than great treasure and trouble therewith. Better is a little bit of the fear of the Lord. Next one is in Proverbs 16, excuse me, 1533. Solomon says, the fear of the Lord is the instruction of wisdom, and before honor is humility. Message Bible says, fear of God is a school in skilled living. First, you learn humility, then you experience glory. The fear of the Lord is a school in skilled living. And we've never, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm obviously not very young anymore, but some of you here got me by a number of years. I don't remember in my younger years, has there always been life coaches? You get a, you get a life coach. You get People are making crazy money. Off being a life coach. I got some really great news for you. The best life coach that has ever been 
Here's his bestseller. Right here. And you don't have to give him a monthly fee. You just got to give him your life. That's all. But oh boy, what you get in return. The fear of the Lord is the instruction. It's the teacher of wisdom. Proverbs 19 and 23 says this. The fear of the Lord tendeth to life. And he that hath it shall be shall abide satisfied. He shall not be visited with evil. Now you say, well, I, I, I believe I fear the Lord, but I got some bad things or this and that that happens in my life. Listen, listen to the way Young's literal translation, and, and I, you know, I usually read Amplified or Message Bible or some of these other ones, but, but a lot of those are essentially paraphrases. And they take some, especially some of the King James English, and put it into English that we understand a little bit more. But, but, but listen to the name of this. The, 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 the difference is in the name. It's Young's literal translation. It's, it's not trying to give you fluff and whatever. It's trying to tell you bare bones of what was said. And so Young's literal translation says that verse this way. The fear of Jehovah is to life. And satisfied he remaineth. Now listen to that last part. The King James says, will not be visited with evil. Young's literal translation says, he is not charged with evil. Man, when you live with the fear of the Lord, you don't have to live looking over your shoulder. Worried about what's going to catch up with you from your past. I've said it before. There's a lot of reasons why, but one of the reasons why I would never want to be a politician, especially nowadays, because if you go running for office, they are going to try to find any dirt on you they can find. But when you live in the fear of the Lord, you don't have to be worried about being charged with evil. There's not something for the, for the enemy to accuse you of. And there's not going to be something for others to accuse you of. It leads, it tends to life. Proverbs 12 and 3 says this in the Amplified Bible. The wicked is dangerously snared by the transgression of his lips. But the uncompromisingly righteous shall come out of trouble. If... If you, don't, if you don't really know Jesus today, if you don't know Jesus and you don't live in constant fear, something's wrong. Because if you don't know Jesus, there is all kinds of stuff on every angle to be afraid of. Got in conversation last night at dinner. They got to they got to talking about all this new AI stuff. The stuff that they can do now with photographs and videos and and taking what you've said, using your voice and your words and making something up. If I didn't have Jesus, I'd be scared to death. 
and I won't lie to you. I'll be honest with you. I'm not scared to death, but it still bothers me a little bit. Because I, I, my, my, my life, my livelihood is, is based on my integrity. And the fact that somebody with some kind of ill intent could take my voice and twist my words and something I never said. Let me tell you something. I'm trusting in the name of the Lord. <laughs> the uncompromisingly righteous shall come out of trouble. I got. Make sure you got that part. They shall come out of trouble. The only way for you to come out of trouble means you were in trouble. And we're not necessarily talking about trouble here in the sense that, you know, you got in when you were a kid out of this. I'm talking trouble around you. In fact, I think sometimes we, one of those more notable verses in the Bible, but I think we, I don't think we always Listen to what it says, and, and that is the scripture says that no weapon formed against you shall prosper. I think sometimes we, we, we forget that formed part. It did not say no weapon would ever be formed against you. It just said that it won't be able to accomplish what it was formed for. It'll be formed, but it won't prosper. You're going to go through some trouble, no matter how wonderful of a person you may be. No matter how much you may be dedicated and committed to God, you're still going to go through trouble, but He can bring you out of the trouble. Proverbs 22 and verse 4 says this, by humility and the fear of the Lord are riches and honor and life. The Amplified says the reward of humility and the reverent and worshipful fear of the Lord is riches and honor and life. You know, there, there, there is so, there's so many things, so many terms we use that they, they are, they're, they're, they're relative. They're relative. Gotta find the right. You guys and all the J's, the older I'm getting, the harder it is for me to remember to call your kids the correct name. Jude. Come here, Jude. Come help me out for a second. How old are you, Jude? How old are you? Nine? Okay, come here. All right, everybody, make sure you get the fact he's nine, okay? I can stand next to Jude, and I can feel very tall. I got him by well over a head. Man, I'm tall. All the adults are like, whatever. Because, come here, Josh. Man, I'm tall. 
It's all a comparison. Fat and skinny, I won't do that one. <laughs> it's all relative. It's, it's, a, it's a comparison. I've heard some people say how, how fat they were, and I'm looking at them, I'm like, I would, I would give my right arm to be as fat as you are if that's fat. Thank you. The bottom line is that's, that's the way it is with riches. I've said this many times now, and you're a guest today, and then last, last year my wife went through uh, some neck issues and ended up getting surgery and still dealing with some stuff. And, 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 and I, I, I made it, I've tried to learn this lesson and keep applying it in every aspect of my life. All, it didn't take but a moment, and I could think of people who were going through way worse stuff. I mean, several times at the end of the day, all I simply thought to myself, as, as some days she could, she'd be on the couch all day because of the pain, and, and I'd think, you know what? Bottom line is, I haven't had to stand at a graveside with her. I, I'm sorry, folks, but there's always somebody that's got it worse than you. Now, here's the thing. And my dad, a couple months ago, we were, after our, the tree fell on, our, on part of our house and we were dealing with that, I, I, I told my dad, I'm like, listen, I, the same day a tree fell on the corner of our dining room and did some damage, but fairly minor comparison was because it was the same day that uh, A or multiple, I don't remember, but tornadoes went through the Little Rock, Arkansas area. And, and all, I, all I needed to do, if I was upset about the, the little bit of damage in the roof in my dining room, all I needed to do was get online and look at a few pictures from Arkansas. And I'm like, you know what, this ain't no big deal. I was telling my dad that I'm like, you know, I, I'm, I'm, you know, we're 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 just kind of feeling. I don't know. I guess it's a little bit of a sense of loss. Things are damaged. You worked hard on and did this and that, and and I said, but you know, I'm 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 doing all. He said, that that's great. That's good. You ought to do that. But at the end of the day, that that doesn't take away your your issue. Your issue is still your issue. What you're feeling is still what you're feeling. So I'm not saying that, that by doing this it takes away all of the, the struggle and the issue for you. But the bottom line is some of you, if you just get outside of yourself for a moment, you'd realize there's a bunch of, the, you're envying others. There's a, all kinds of people that are, they, they're envying you. So you may not be on the, the top 500 list in Forbes based on whatever measurements that may be, but according to the Scripture, that humility and the fear of the Lord are riches and honor and life. In fact, if you read what the, the King James says, it says that, the, that humility and the fear of the Lord are. It didn't say that humility and the fear of the Lord will make you rich. It says if you've got those things, you are rich. Because those are the things that will lead to life. And the last one in Scripture, at least in the context of these last few weeks, is Proverbs 23. 
verse 17. And it says this. Let not thine heart envy sinners. <laughs> there it is again. But be thou. Somebody say, be thou. In the fear of the Lord all day long. The Living Bible says this. Don't envy evil men, but continue to reverence the Lord all the time. For surely you have a wonderful future ahead of you. There is hope for you yet. And the Message Bible says it this way. Don't for a minute envy careless rebels. Soak yourself in the fear of God. So notice please. The fear of the Lord is not something I should strive to do. The last reference you find or a at least in my study, again in this context, I'm not saying it's the last place you find the term, but in the context of describing the fear of the Lord, as I've preached the last several weeks, is, is this verse. And it says that the fear of the Lord is where you should dwell, stay. There's a lot of people that visit the fear of the Lord. There's a lot of people that will spend a few minutes in the fear of the Lord. But to get the true benefits and blessings that come from living with the fear of the Lord, it's not a place to visit. It's not something to do every now and then, but it is a place to dwell. And when I get any level of understanding of the blessings and the benefits that comes from the fear of the Lord, why wouldn't I want to live? In that place. Last verses and I'm, I'm finishing up. Malachi chapter 3 and verse number 16. The Lord says this. Then they that feared the Lord. How do you know if somebody fears the Lord? They speak often of Him. Don't tell me you fear the Lord and He's never a part of your conversation. Don't tell me you fear the Lord and He's never what you're thinking about. Don't tell me you fear the Lord and the only time He's got your attention is Sunday morning for a few minutes. They that fear the Lord spake often of Him, one to another, and the Lord hearkened. He listened and heard it. And watch this. A book of remembrance was written before Him for them that feared the Lord and that thought upon His name. How awesome is that? When you are living in the fear of the Lord and you spend time with people talking about Him, God saying to, I guess, I don't know, maybe some angel up in heaven, hey, get your book out real quick. Make sure you got their name down. They're, they're talking about me. They're, they're, they're living in reverence and all of me I don't know about you but that's one place I want to make sure that I've got my name written I want my name in that book of remembrance and then watch this again all of this is connected to the fear of the Lord watch this promise in verse 17 they shall be mine saith the Lord of hosts in that day when I make up my jewels and I will spare them as a man spareth his own son that serveth him 
it's one thing for you and I, you know, I, 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 we, we think about God. We don't forget God because we know we need God. That's all well and good. But it's a whole other thing to know God doesn't forget me. I, I heard, heard one of the hosts on one of the radio stations, Christian radio stations yesterday was telling this story about when he was a kid. And, and there was this comic, comic book shop he went into uh, fairly regularly. And, and, and I forget what he said the owner's name was. But, but in his mind, he, you know, he kind of had developed this connection with the owner. And then one day he goes to walk into the comic book store and there's a sign up that it's going out of business. And so he goes up to the owner, the owner's behind the counter, and he calls him by name, and he says, why, why, why is the store closing? And the owner responds to him and says, have you, you been in here before? His bubble was greatly burst. Because <laughs> in him, his mind, him and the owner, you know, they were, they were kind of connected. And the owner says, I, who are you? It's going to be a scary, thing, a scary thing for some people in eternity. When they show up to the store and the owner's behind the counter. Hey, Jesus, I'm here. I made it. And he responds and says, depart from me. I never, I never knew you. I was thinking about that after that guy told that story. This verse came to mind. And I was thinking about how, how is it that the God who makes every human being, Brother Barr, how does that God not know someone? I promise you this. If you live a life in the fear of the Lord, you don't have to worry about Him saying, I, who are you? My grandmother's here this morning. She's in her 90s. She's had a few health issues here and there a couple months ago. Had some health stuff. and My wife and I sat in her living room for a few minutes. She talked about the excitement. Not the dread, not the fear, not the, but the excitement of going to heaven. How do you finish off life that way? Because you live in the fear, the reverence, the respect of the Lord. It just really blows my mind because it doesn't take a whole lot of brain power to see that what the world offers you leads to more and more bondage. There's some people, and if some of you would be willing to help me out in just a second, I'd appreciate it. There's some people in this room today that one point had addiction to drugs, alcohol, other stuff. God delivered. Anybody here today, God has delivered you from an addiction of any kind? I'm not. 
I had a question. Let's let's just let's let's take uh, let's take alcohol here. Anybody God delivered you from? You were a couple hands. Okay, had a question. One more. Who who, who raised their hands? You say alcohol. Brother Evans, I'll ask you. I got a question, Brother Evans. Did you decide? You know, I think I'd like to get addicted to alcohol. Was was that a, like an intentional? No. Those of you that got that God delivered you from drugs, did you? Did you? You know, I think I'd like to. I'd like to mess my brain up on drugs. I'd like to. No. It led to more and more bondage. And here's, here's what's so sad. The enemy comes along and tells you, well, if you give your life to Jesus, boy, you are, you are entering a life of bondage. What a hypocrite. You're telling me that by giving my life to Jesus, I'm entering a life of bondage, and yet every person that gives their lives to you, they're, they're bound. sad and there's people in this room right now that you're struggling with buying into that deception I'll tell you something there's no freer life to live than a life that is lived in the fear of the Lord there's no better life to live than a life that is lived with reverence and awe of God and the word of God and surrendered and submitted to the spirit of God would you stand Life, wisdom, knowledge, confidence. On and on. All in the fear, the reverence, the awe, the respect. I don't know if we'll do more than this. We'll see, at least for right now. What you do, if you would, please just close your eyes for a moment, head bowed and I ask that if for nothing else, just to kind of make everybody else around you comfortable if you you don't necessarily want to do this. But again, if and if you feel to do more than this, I, I you're welcome to. But here's just at this point at least what I feel to ask. You're here right now, and many of you would be willing, not saying it's the first time, many of you I believe you're already doing your best to live this, but just Maybe some of you for the first time, but others of you just be a recommitment. I wonder how many of you would be willing just right where you are just, just to lift your hands to the Lord. And there's various reasons why we do that. But one of those, it's a sign of surrender. And in doing that, you would just begin in your own words to, to express to the Lord that last, that last part we ended on there. Lord, I want to live. I want to dwell. I don't want it to just be a few times of my week, a few moments of my week here and there, but Lord, I want to learn to live, to dwell in the fear of the Lord. If if you're willing, if that's your desire and that's the commitment you want to make, just, just lift your hands and again, your own words somehow express that. Lord, the enemy wants me to think that the last place I want to live, the last thing I want to live in is the fear, the 
the awe, the reverence, the respect of you. And, and yet that's the best place to be, Lord. So I want to I wanna learn more than ever before, God. To live in that reverence, that awe, that respect. I, I don't want that to just be something I do at times throughout my week, throughout my life. I, I don't want that to just be an action that happens sometimes. But, but I want that to be where I dwell. That place of refuge, that, that fortress, that place of protection, that fountain of life. In the name of Jesus, I pray for your grace and your strength today. Lord, the enemy's primary tool that he uses when he works against us is deception. He works to deceive us. He tells us lies and all of us have fallen to some of His lies at some point. And I pray today in the life of every person in this place that You would, by Your grace, pull back the cover. Pull back the cover on every lie, every deception the enemy is using in lives in this place. Lord, I pray for the young people and the children that are in here today, God, that the the enemy, the older they get, the enemy's going to come along and try to try to sell them that bill of goods that the best life to live, the best way to live is outside of your word, outside of your kingdom, outside of the church and they're going to be bombarded with that and there's so much going on in the world around us, Lord, that that makes all of that look very appealing and very very desirous to us but I pray that you would give them the wisdom and the ability to see beyond the lies Lord to be able to discern what is truth, what is right in the name of Jesus to be able to do as Moses did and when he came when it came time to make his decision for to set the course for the remainder of his life he He recognized that whatever the world had to offer was only temporary. It was was only momentary pleasure. But what you offered would last. Not only last throughout this life, but it would lead us into eternal life. In Jesus' name. Father, I pray today that you would help us to to learn to experience the blessing and the benefit of living with the fear of you. Not a place of dread, not a place of oppression. It's a place of peace and joy, assurance. In the name of Jesus Christ. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. bless you again to to all of you that may be our guests today. Thank you so much for being here today. It's our hope and prayer that you've been touched by the presence of the Lord in this service today. You would be able to experience the amazing things that God has for you. In Jesus' name, God bless you. You're dismissed.